0: I want to invite you this evening to turn with me to the gospel of Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, beginning at um, verse 16, a long time I wanted to share um, this text, but now I I have the opportunity, I will try to do as much as I can, Luke chapter 4 beginning at verse 16. I'll read down to the end of the context. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. There was delivered unto him a book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted To preach deliverance to the captives And recovering of sight to the blind To set at liberty them that are bruised To preach the acceptable year of the Lord He closed the book Gave it again to the minister And sat down And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day is the scripture fulfilled. Is this scripture fulfilled in your ears? And all bear witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son he said unto them, He will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also hear in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent save unto Zepritha, the city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisus the prophet, and none of them was cleansed saving Naaman the Syrian and all there in the synagogue when they heard these things were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him unto the brow of the hill whereon their city was built that they might cast him down headlong. But he passing through the midst of them Went his way. This is God's word. The words that I've read with you is a record of the Lord's first appearing in public ministry or public worship. He entered the setting of a worship meeting in his hometown. Over the next few studies, Uh, I want to use this first public appearance of our Lord to open up the subject of public worship, especially in the areas of speaking, preaching, or teaching. Now our church doesn't have a theological college, uh, but the church is the place theology ought to be taught to its people, ought to be presented. In Luke 4:18 through 20, there are many hermeneutical and homiletical skills we can learn and grow in. Now you see where I'm going with this message. Um, well, I know some of us may not even know what the word hermeneutics mean, or homiletics, but I would explain, you know, you heard me say it many times, hermeneutics is the science of Bible interpretation. That's a big word, the science, a science of Bible interpretation. A person hermeneutics would only be as good as their systematic theology. Systematic theology is taught in college. It's a system of theology, If I'm a dispensationalist, I would be taught dispensationalist theology. One of the books I would read is um, Dwight Pentecost, one of the leading expository teachers in dispensationalism, who has a wrong view of the return of Christ. I remember once I was with a pastor in Barbados and I was discussing the topic and the subject and why I believe what I believe. He said to me, did you read Dwight L. Pentecost's book? I said, I don't have to read it. I saw the introduction and that's it. I saw where he was going and that's it. You can tell what a man is writing from the preface of his book. But some of you are not into theology. But hermeneutics is the science of Bible interpretation while homiletics is the gift of preparation of scripture. Um, we I believe we can learn and we can grow in these areas. There are many areas in our church where these graces are exercised. We have two Lord's Day worship services with three teaching stations. Sunday school, if you wanna call it this, for little ones, youth and children's ministries, if you want to call it that, Tuesday evening Bible study and prayer, Saturday men's Bible study and prayer, Dithmaspar meeting. We should take these things very seriously because that's why I am coming with these subjects or these are call them lectures when I'm over there. Luke chapter 4 can be used as a model from the perfect example in public service, preaching, teaching, or whatever. I believe that there are some graces that we all need to grow in. In these messages, I will be covering four subjects. I don't know, I may be only able to do one tonight, but I will try to cover two the next time. And there are as follows, proclamation, exposition, application, and disposition. All four of these I will seek to cover and if, if you are engaging in any discipleship, teaching or anything, you should listen carefully to what I'm saying. Because I have designed this these messages because of my observations. Let me turn attention first to proclamation. Luke 4, 16 through 19. Verse 16, read, I read from the new King James. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. we pause here for a minute. Um, And first I want to take careful note that Jesus took the right posture. In reading the scriptures, he stood up. He was erect. He wasn't leaning on a pulpit. He wasn't scratching his head. He stood up to read. We all should have a natural respect for the word when it is read. We should teach others to have a healthy respect for the word when it is read or spoken, shuffling leaves, turning pages when the word of God is read. We we should be careful with this. There's a way to turn pages in the Bible that you don't make noise. You take large chunks and you go like this, large chunks till you get to where, till you get near to where you wanna get, but no, please don't do that. Teach others to have a healthy respect for the word of God when it is being read or when it is being spoken. Now we will consider this first main head proclamation on the three heads where some insightful thoughts can be drawn from the Lord Jesus, our model in public service. And before opening these subheads, let me look at some preliminary thoughts. The text says he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. The proclamation was normally done standing. Whenever you read the prophets, you will read in their proclamation that they stood, the one heralding God's mes- message stands that they can be clearly seen and heard. Even our master in John seven thirty seven, I quoted that last Lord's day. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He stood that he could be seen clearly and heard by those listening. In Acts 2.14, but Peter standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice. Some of us, you can't even hear us clearly. And said unto them, ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be it known unto you. And hearken, listen to my words. The one proclaiming, bring attention to the words, the gospel, not to himself. Listen to my words. The herald bring good news in this posture. Standing, not only because of custom and respect, the word standing can be used figuratively. We ought to be standing with God upon the truth of God. We stand with him, not against him. We also are standing with the church on her biblical truths. And sometimes you wonder what men are standing on. We are also standing with a host of others. Martin Luther wrote in one of his books, here I stand. And he was referring to the theses he nailed. On that church wall. And today. Thousands stand with him in reformation. Where do you stand? When you present. The gospel. Where do you stand? So to stand not only mean. To stand upon your feet. Or let down, damn sister stand upon your feet. But it can be used figuratively what doctrines do you stand on are you standing on the doctrines of reformation or are you standing on the doctrines of arminianism i use this word because it is broader than you think in jeremiah chapter 7 verse 2 the prophet jeremiah was told stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, hear the word of the Lord, all you that of Judah that enter into these gates to worship the Lord. Jeremiah was told to stand. Jeremiah's message to Israel was to them to amend their ways. We also read in Ezekiel 22, verse 30. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy. it, But I found none. here we see the prophet used the word figuratively with, with, with Ezekiel. God said, I'm looking for a man that stand with me but I didn't find any. To stand is symbolic, symbolically pointing to the fact that the one proclaiming is standing with his Lord. We cannot rightly call on men and women to amend their ways if we are not seeking to amend our ways. In the proclamation of our Lord he not only literally stood up he stood with his father and we all know this and we ought to be this way so to stand is the right posture but it also shows the right pattern in a man or person of God we cannot teach one thing to others while we are guilty of doing the same things others are doing the man or the person ministering should be a step ahead of those he's ministering to spiritually the apostle paul asks a question a few rhetorical questions in romans 2 he says you therefore who teach another do you not teach yourself You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? Now stealing is a very broad aspect of of things. You don't have to thief people money to be a thief. You can steal time, you can steal what belongs to God. You who say do not commit adultery, do do you commit adultery? the lord is our husband do you love the world more than you love him that's adultery you are idols do you rob temples commit sacrilege the apostle asked these questions to the jews who were teaching others And all of these questions that he asks are answered in the affirmative, (coughs) yes. And we shouldn't be like this. Jesus' proclamation came from Isaiah 61. We're reading verses 17 through 19. And he was handed a book of the prophet Isaiah and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he have anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He have sent me to heal the broken hearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, Now, you notice here that the Lord didn't complete the text in Isaiah because it go on to say, "And the day of judgment, Jesus didn't come to judge. He came to save, and that's why he stopped there. He didn't go on. He came to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, the phrase acceptable year of the Lord began from Pentecost, and it's still the acceptable year of the Lord. In other words, the year of the Lord was 2,000 years that God sees as a year because 1,000 years in his sight is like one day. The acceptable year of the Lord is the time of grace when the gospel goes out. Three times Luke gives the focal point of the Lord's proclamation to preach to preach is to proclaim the message of God. According to the text before us, there are three essentials needed in proclamation that I will open under three heads. We can only deal with proclamation this evening, and I may not even finish. The first thing we see is empowerment Jesus said the spirit of the God, the spirit of God is upon me. The spirit of God is not upon one as it was in the case of the Lord Jesus. You remember the spirit came down in the form of a dove and lighted upon him in the earlier chapter. God did not give his son the spirit by measure, but every person needs to have both the indwelling, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit if they're going to be faithful and if they're going to be useful. The Holy Spirit is imperative. And sometimes we don't even know uh, that the Holy Spirit is leading us. At times, I can't remember a lick about a verse and boom, I remember it. Who did that? The Holy Spirit. Sometimes you're preaching on the pulpit You don't have any verse verse that relate to what you're saying in your notes boom the holy spirit sometimes we credit ourselves for things that we should credit the holy spirit for empowerment every person needs the holy spirit if they're going to be faithful the empowerment of the spirit is not something mysterious. It's not, it's not an experience or an experiential thing. The apostle said, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God empowerment to speak in the power and conviction of the Holy Spirit we must be spiritual if we are not spiritual men and women in the church we will not produce anyone or anything spiritual we will reproduce after our kind kind begets kind it is true that people follow their teachers and I'm afraid we will bring forth wood, hay, and stubble that's what we will get out of our church <laughs> and I go back to the statements that I made a few weeks ago and you should remember and this is why I came God has given responsibility to me and I'm not going to shirk my responsibility. People become like their teacher at every level and we must compare spiritual things with spiritual. We do not read gibberish and bring to the table we study to show ourselves approve unto God. I find that some carry the scriptures where the scriptures are not carrying them. They're carrying the scriptures to a carnal point of view. We must let the Bible carry us to spiritual heights and not carnal places and interpretations. Always see the spiritual implication of the text and not the carnal or even the moral or emotional part of the text. Forget that. The apostle said another place, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. The teacher must be an example. You know what manner of men we were among you. Jesus was asked by the religious leaders, who who give you authority to do these things? Luke 20, it happened on one of those days as he taught the people in the temple and preached the gospel that the chief priests and the scribes together with the elders, confronted him, spoke to him saying, tell us by what authority are you doing these things? Or who give you this authority? But he answered and said unto them, I also ask you one thing, answer me. John the Baptist, was he sent from heaven or men? They couldn't answer. Jesus didn't answer them either. The audacity some men got. To speak and preach in the power of the Holy Ghost our lives must be an open book to the hearers so they can read or as Paul said in Second Corinthians 4.2 commending our conscience to all men we will reach no one if we are close and secretive At least not me. Throughout the book of Acts. We read of the apostles. That the Holy Spirit came. Upon them. And they spoke the word. And when they had prayed. The place was shaken. Where they were assembled together. And they were filled. With the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. You see, the Holy Spirit will not leave you out of sorts and disorder, but orderly. This morning, I picked up a book on the table with Marcel by the late Charles Hudden Spurgeon where a sermon from 150 years is recorded. the title of the sermon is the withering work of the Holy Spirit the withering work of the Spirit withering how the Holy Spirit withers men of God mr. Spurgeon went on to show that the withering work of the Spirit in those who are engaging others in gospel witness And he based his text on 1 Peter 1, 24 and 25. For all flesh is as grass, and the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower fadeth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. Which is more important. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. This is a quote from Isaiah 46 and and seven, which was speaking of the coming of the Lord Jesus. And Isaiah was showing that for one to see the glory of, of God, the Lord, they must first recognize that the flesh is to wither. That we must fade away that we must be taken out of the picture that our wills may be smashed that's how god is revealed we need to learn these things the withering work of the spirit in the lives especially of those That's why Peter was reduced. Lord, everybody's going to run and leave you, not me. The Lord took care of him three times. And that's why at that table, the Lord had to restore him three times. Do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? I mean, do you like me at all? Peter broke down. He was withered. And some of us need some withering, including myself. Too much self. Me, me, me. These are some of the things, brethren. I might have to go to 10 minutes beyond my time, but that is all right. So I've shown you the empowerment. Um, let me move on quickly the Spirit of God is upon me there to be empowered but second essential teaching and proclaiming is anointing anointing now this is a very popular word Luke 418 because he have anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he have sent me to heal the brokenhearted the person delivering God's word. It's not outwardly or visibly anointed with oil or or ordained with oil. In the early days, men were openly anointed, but today to be anointed is to be equipped to do a special job. That's what in the Old Testament, when certain men were anointed like Saul to do a special job, It is an internal giftedness by the spirit of grace that 1 Corinthians 12 speak about. If someone comes to the place of proclamation, stuttering and muttering and calling wrong words from the word of God, it is obvious that they are not ready for the job. They're not prepared. In fact, a person sharing Any element of God's word should be very familiar with the scriptures they're sharing. We We should read the Bible numerous times before approaching God's people. Sometimes we might be called to read, and if we know in advance, we should run through the text a couple times before we read. One time somebody was interpreting for me in Zimbabwe, I hope Brother Cousy is listening to me. If he is, he's here. And I cited the text to turn to from 1 Corinthians. He couldn't find 1 Corinthians in the Bible. Yet he wanted to be teaching people. If he can't find 1 Corinthians, how, how, how is he going to find Ezekiel? On Haggai. There was no anointing of the spirit. We should be familiar with the book. Notes are mere notes. Knowledge is simply information collected. If the Lord is not with us, what we say will not bless others. If our lives do not back up our words, we are wasting time. This rushing in off the road, Public service is slothfulness. I was told that the ushers at Trinity Baptist Church should be at the church 15 minutes before worship. I was told that by one of the deacons because I asked him. And that's why I go there to observe so that I can see where we are. And that's only the ushers the elders are already back there behind the pulpit praying when a person is anointed by God they'll be ready for service verse John 2 27 the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you and you need not that any man teach you But as the same anointing teaches you all things and it's truth and it's no lie. And even as it have taught you, you should abide in him. Teach you all things. Teach you how to be timely. Teach you how to be respectful. Teach you even how to dress your posture in coming to people. Teach you all things. You don't see me come here to minister to you with sneakers on. I could wear sneakers. I wear them in Zimbabwe. Or you don't see me come here with my shirt tail. Half of my shirt tail. I'm not saying you wear a jacket. But the anointing of the Spirit teach you all things. All things that are right, that is. One anointing is the Lord Jesus by his spirit. He's the giver of every good and perfect gift. Here Jesus, our model teacher, shows these essential things that you can pick out for us. One, the spirit of the Lord. Empowerment. Two, the anointing of the spirit. Three, See commission by him. He have sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Commission. He have sent me to heal the brokenhearted. A personal call. This has become a problem. People are going and they're not sent anywhere. We have various ministries, but we should understand that we are same. When we go to the Ditma Park nursing home, when we go to the Sunday school class in there or in the kitchen, we're same. When we go on the pulpit, we're same. We don't see this. We think we going, I up tomorrow. You ain't up nowhere. We have various ministries. We should understand what we're saying. As far as I know, the church is the arm That the Holy Spirit uses to send others to proclaim God's word. The church has those in place to send. You got a man over there in Zimbabwe, he has recognized, he sent a letter, but he was sent. No one should say, Well, the pastor didn't ask me anything, he asked calling, he asked Curtis, he didn't ask me. No! The Holy Spirit didn't ask you anything. Didn't send you anywhere. Forget the pastor. The pastor don't send anybody anywhere. Luke chapter 9 tells us then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God to heal the sick. Luke 10, 1. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also, and sent them two and two before his face to every city and place whither he himself would come. Son of God sent. He's sent. By his Father. Church of Jesus is sent. By Acts 13, 4 and 5. So they're being sent forth by the Holy Ghost. By the way, the whole church spread on them in Acts 13. And the Bible said, so they, they're being sent by the Holy Ghost. The church sent these missionaries in Acts 13. But in spite of that, the text says, so they're being sent by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. When they came, where at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews. They had John Mark as their minister. Verse 19, I'll stop here because the time is going. I told you I wouldn't be able. I just want to keep in tune with the example that I want to set, not to go over, but the next time we come back, God willing, we will finish this and then we would try to see if we can get in to the second part, which is the um, the exposition part. The exposition is the second log. And uh, if I can do the exposition and the application together, that will be good. So that I will come sometime later uh, and, and do the disposition. And the disposition is, is the people that were listening. And you can read that for yourself brother martin what disposition they had after the exposition and it is the exposition and the application that always invokes the disposition and that's why so many of you are fearful of 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 uh, you, you may do the you may do the exposition you may you may you may scratch on it but never touch the application uh, of scripture And Jesus is showing us these things. Um, The scripture is showing these things this evening. So may the Lord help us and may he bless our portion tonight.